Welcome to your go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Wait For It Podcast. I am your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And joining me, as always, for Late to the Party is your other co-host, Mr. Eric Almighty. And folks, super happy to be back here for what has been, again, really, really great series that has presented and given us uh, films of varying levels of success and... Uh, feedback from us uh eric i already know and and you like i said you've already kind of uh, picked up on what the vibe is here this morning as we prepare for our barbenheimer double feature on sunday uh, july 23rd you know I, you don't allow me to go on social media and reply to people and i have a feeling that this is going to be one that i'm gonna have to sit out uh just to kind of give you guys an idea of how this went so eric i am excited to have this conversation with you today as we embark on what is the cult classic, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of those cult following movies that we missed. And that's the whole theme of this, you know, this series. And that's what's been great about it is we at least get exposed. We know about it. Did it meet the hype? Did it not? Uh, there may be some hot takes on here about that from time to time. Uh, the Shining. We always bring it up. <laughs> Numero uno. Does this movie pass The Shining as worst, or does this movie pass Paddington as the best? Those are our markers for this series, uh, and we're going to find out which one that was for both of us. And one thing we should start doing, Eric, is now that we have joined the letterbox, uh, letterboxed phase, or whatever you want to call it, uh, we should probably add those to our link tree so you guys can start seeing you know, what films we've watched, what kind of lists we put together. So if you were on Letterboxd, we'll go ahead and add that to our, uh, our link tree links so you can check those out and you know what eric we should actually start making lists for uh late to the party um you know international feature all that kind of stuff so people can see you know what we've thought about those films so oh that is what about that right now so there, there you go that's a, that's a pretty good that's idea how, that, yeah let's, that, now you guys just saw a, a peek into the creative process of, of the wait for podcast uh it all happens on the fly so uh don't yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how it goes so eric without further ado we have a long day ahead of us and uh, again we woke up before we go to go see Oppenheimer and go see Killian Murphy's penis. So let's go ahead and let people know what Late to the Party is all about. And let's get into this thing. Jesus, that is a, that is a hell of an intro. Well, Late to the Party was inspired because we missed some of the biggest films and other media and pop culture that we uh, just honestly forgot about, didn't catch in its prime. And there are so many films that fell under this category that we just had to transport ourselves back in time and watch these films. Today, we're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, a movie that I think was probably polarizing in 2010 when it came out. And while it was essentially a flop uh, or at least a box office bomb, it did get such a cult following that people really like kind of were excited for this episode, Phil. Uh, I know we had uh, some of our friends from Game of Thrones even really hyped up. Uh, about it so super excited to get into this and uh and see where we fell it's definitely a movie of its time 
<laughs> I will I will start by saying that. So I'm curious to see how this is going to go. Yeah, well, listen. Uh, well, first off, let me start off. If, if any of you have not seen the movie and you're listening to this episode, here is a very short synopsis. In a magically realistic version of Toronto, a young man must defeat his new girlfriend, seven evil exes, one by one, in order to win her heart. And uh, I'll say this, Eric, because we are going to start off on the positive side, because there were certainly things about this film that made me understand why this has become such a cult classic. Now, it is based off of a graphic novel, um, but I believe it's just called Scott Pilgrim, and it's by Brian Lee O'Malley. And I will say this, as far as Edgar Wright's filmmaking, I've always been a fan. Definitely been a fan of him. And I always, whenever I see his work, it really bums me out that we never got to see his, was it Ant-Man or Doctor Strange film that he was going to do? I believe it was one of those two. I think it might have been Doctor Strange that he was supposed to direct. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you want to look that up while I'm talking here. But it does make me pine for the fact that uh, we never got to see his version of an MCU film. Because as far as comic book movies I feel like this is, you know, especially after watching a couple of YouTube videos, this is kind of like the penultimate comic book film. They got a lot right. I really love the graphics. I really love the, you know, a lot of the over the top scenes. You know, it's obviously very, very much set in the, you know, a fantasy type world, like it says in the synopsis. And I, I really enjoyed all of that. I think it's just some of the some of the characters I just didn't connect with and, you know, some of the humor as well. So, but, but I do want to give its kudos there as far as the cinematography really, really enjoyed a lot of that. Yeah. So Ant-Man was the franchise that um, he had exited uh, and Peyton Reed took over that uh, all three movies. So we have a pretty good idea of <laughs> our feelings towards Peyton Reed's filmography. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright, though, uh, he has a ton of films, Phil. I mean, like, I was looking it up, and I guess I had always known that he had, like, a lot of films that either we would like or that are really popular. But, like, he did that entire trilogy, uh, like, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. Like, those are Baby, really... Baby Driver, one of my favorite movies. Baby Driver. Yeah. So, I mean, he has a lot of films, especially since 2010, um, you know, that have been really, really well accepted. And I'm not surprised that there is a cult following to this movie. Phil, this is absolutely, I would have loved to see an Ant-Man somewhat like this style, like more than what we got. I feel like he could have really leaned into the crazy more. This movie does lean into the crazy. And if you're willing to accept that when it happens, because it happens very quickly, um, it's a tonal shift, I think that happens immediately and then you're just on the train for this ride if you get on board i think this is a good time i think i definitely have wasted hours watching other things that i was disinterested in uh that this movie is not perfect but i love the fact that it did that like video game aesthetic i, I liked how goofy it was and that it's it, again it leaned into the silly it leaned into the unnaturalness of it all um, you know, it could have taken itself too seriously, and I think that would have been a problem. So maybe this is the best version of this movie that could be made because a man is fighting <laughs> this girl's seven exes for no reason, really. Again, I, I think for that reason alone, it was worth a watch. But I, I am excited to see what rubbed us both the wrong way, because there were definitely some things in this film like the humor is definitely 2010, um, a little slapstick. So I'm curious where you fell. The cast is very 2010, which is funny. Yeah. yeah and, and, and they're very good. Listen, they're all very, uh, very successful now. 
It's funny that we watched this because we're about to see Michael Sarah and Barbie this afternoon as well. Remember, we were just talking about how we, we hadn't Michael seen Sarah. we hadn't seen him in a while. You know, I don't know when. I think maybe what's it called? Um, Super bad had come out right around this time. Perhaps I have to. I would have to double check. Let's actually see here. Super in 2007. Came out in 2000. Yeah, so three years. So you know, Michael Sarah was on a little bit of a run. And, you know, they were putting him in, I, I guess, leading roles. Uh, you know, I, I don't really remember too much about 2010 as far as, you know, I'm sure this came across my radar, but it wasn't ever something I wanted to see in films like you are in theaters. Like you said, Eric, it was considered a flop. I mean, the budget was about 60 million dollars. It made forty nine point three. So it, for all intents and purposes, as far as making money, I would like to see, you know, how, you know, back then DVD sales were obviously a really, really big deal. And now they're actually about to come out with an anime. Um, Eric, I want to talk to you about that at the very end of the episode as well, you know, because I think maybe a lot of this would work very much, much better in animation. But yeah, I mean, as I was watching this, I was getting a little worried because I know a lot of people love this film and I understand why people like it. The cast is really, really solid. There are definitely moments where I did laugh out loud. But again, a lot of it just really fell short for me and... um yeah, it's going to come off. Maybe some of this stuff is nitpicky. And we again, we just watched this movie last week. We haven't had years and years to dissect it. So these are just our initial thoughts. So if you're going to get upset, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, I also think it matters when you did watch this film. Like, for example, this was like maybe 13 years ago. So, I mean, when I watched this movie, um, I had just or when I would have watched this movie, I like just turned 18. So, you know, still high school age. Uh, Phil, I pulled out my calculator. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the math for you. A little difficult. Um, I'm coming up with 35, but neither. I would have. I would have been like 22. You don't have to be neither here nor there. You were a little bit past <laughs> your prime, but the movie, <laughs> the movie was, uh, you know, I definitely think geared towards like that emo, like high schooler, what was me like? Like I, I definitely feel like that was probably the the targeted audience. Uh, and even though maybe I didn't go directly into that in high school, I mean, you, you knew the environment, you knew the characters. Like it, it did feel like a movie made for teens. And, and I think for that reason, we're the grumpy old men that are like, you know, this is a little overrated, little overrated. But uh, again, I, I will say I'd never really seen a movie like this. So in that sense, you know, in its uniqueness, um, I'm glad I watched it again because I I did not expect the level of fight choreography <laughs> that was about to happen uh, again. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. Took yeah, me off guard. The choreography, mm -hmm. very good. Yeah, and you know what? To push back a little bit on, you know, the audience that it's meant for, I disagree a little bit because we one of your favorite movies this year has been Elemental and one of my favorite movies this year has been Nimona. And granted, there are adult themes in both of those films, but we very often go to animated films and films that are meant for younger audiences to still come away loving them, like in current times. So I'll, I'll say that as well, as far as if, you know, people are, if do, people do want to use that and, and say that, you know, maybe we're just <laughs> too old to appreciate the film. I don't think that's true because we watch childish shit all the time. So I don't know about that. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, Elemental. I didn't watch Nimona, but I know there's some, there's some uh, adult themes there. But, you know, Elemental might have been made for kids, but there's we, some good themes there for adults to learn, too, you know. 
I understand. I and, and same thing with this movie. Also, one of the anime you just recommended, Bochi the Rock, is about a teenager coming overcoming anxiety, and we enjoyed the hell out of that. So, <laughs> again, again, more more with a resonation. I think. Uh, I think yeah. you know if a movie resonates with you, like I'll give you a good example. Like this movie just felt. A little weird. I mean, it starts off with uh, <laughs> with our main character dating a minor. Yep. Not not great. Mm-hmm. Knives Chow, by the way, loved her. Uh, ne- never seen her Did in anything. Her wrong. I guess this is like her her first big role. Loved her, the actress and the character. Yeah, definitely got done dirty. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, kind of unlikable. Michael Cera yeah. definitely pulls that off. He doesn't really pull off this "I can get hot chicks" <laughs> vibe. So again. You do have to suspend uh, your 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 belief a little bit on that, but as, as far as um as far as the film overall, again, it served a purpose for the story. It was a simple story. There were some good beats. Again, uh, for example, like when we had Chris Evans pop up, when we had um, Brie Larson pop up. How did, how did you feel about Brie Larson? Because I know you're like the biggest Brie Larson fan. And this is like one of those movies you kind of have to see if you're a fan of her. It's another frustration. It just brings more frustration to her performance as Captain Marvel <laughs> because she is so, I think, very likable and charismatic. And again, it's like, why can't you bring at least a little bit of that to Captain Marvel? And maybe it's the writing. And I didn't mean to bring, make this about Marvel, but I, I still stand by that. I think Brie Larson is very, and I, a lot of people feel this way. She's very, very talented. She's very funny. And, uh, you know, we just don't get that in the MCU. But I digress. Really, I also like Ari Plaza just popping up everywhere. Like, how many jobs do you have? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was, that was good. a good on, uh, ongoing bit. Oh, yeah. I just want to say, yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Knives Chow because they did that character dirty. And uh, the fact that people have never, I've never had heard it come up that Michael Sarah, that Scott Pilgrim's just dating a minor in the beginning of the movie. Like, we're just going to gloss over that oh, for 13 years. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a big part of it. And, and then cheats on her, by the way, so and like, cheats on her, and emotionally like just devastates her. So yeah, yeah, I, I think it's tough. Um, but when we talk about you know the movie, the characters, you know, I really like the character that uh, Kieran uh, Culkin plays. He was great. Anna Kendrick pops up into this. She's funny, uh, you know, in those little bits. Jason Schwartzman at the end. Uh, but Brandon uh, Ruth, or Roth, I think you might pronounce his last name. Um, he's the one that was the vegan. <laughs> and I I think that was my favorite part of the movie. I'm going to be honest with you. I, that, that was when I that was when I was like, really? But then I just accepted it. Like, I really was like, they're really going to give this man like powers because he's vegan and then take them away. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Not going to lie. The vegan police. That's also a good bit. That's a that, good. That was a yeah. good part. Yeah. Pretty fun. That, that was good. I wasn't expecting. I think it's uh, Thomas Jane uh, Punisher showing up. That was um, that was a ride for sure. So I, I definitely I liked elements of this movie. I just think. I don't know, Phil. I just again, I really am on the on the fence of I, I really think this is a time period piece. Like I feel like at its time we would have loved it more. I think at that time, I think so too. at those ages, different interests, I think we would have enjoyed this more. But to your point, Phil, and I think this is where you wanted to transition, unless there was anything else you really wanted to talk about, maybe some Rotten Tomato scores or anything, you know, I am excited for the anime. Yeah, as far as Rotten Tomatoes goes, 82% on the Rotten Tomato meter and 84% audience score. I am curious as far as those Rotten Tomato scores, how many of them came back in 2010? Probably not many of them. These are all 
these all look like reviews from uh, years later. So yeah, the, but again, it is extremely popular. It also has a very, very popular video game. It's a side-scroller, uh, which I've always wanted to play. I don't know if it's still available. I think they re-released it, but I know that's also very good. Again, it's pulling from all these different genres, and I thought, you know, like you said, really, really cool. Um, I guess as far as the the only thing I can really compare it to when it comes to, you know, where it has the, the video game, like, points come up and everything like that. The only thing that's very similar as far as what I've seen is, like, Zombieland, you know, where they talk about, like, Kill of the Week and the type of zombie and the rules popping up in the background. That's the only other thing that I think that has done this relatively successfully. And again, it's not even uh, really the same thing. So, yeah, that's the only other thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, you know, we understand that this movie is beloved and, um, you know, the scores reflect that. Yeah. And for the anime, I, I love the idea that they are going to bring back the entire original cast, pretty much reprising their roles. So I think that alone is worth probably watching it like, Again, this definitely feels like it would work better in animation because, again, uh, the scene that really told me the movie was going to be what it was, was at the first concert. And then the first X just flies through and attacks Scott Pilgrim on stage. That was when I was like, all right, this movie has fundamentally changed and this is what we're in for. Um, And it took a bit, but I I got used to it in animation. I feel like I could accept that a little bit easier. And I think it would be cooler. I really do think they could do a lot more things. Um, and, and, you know, that's obviously us being biased, seeing great animated films this year, especially. But I think the the anime will work out and will be uh, will be a hit. I guess the last thing I'll point out that I also thought was pretty funny and um, was the pit where he where Knife shows up. And um, what's his name? The roommate uh, Wallace answers the door and he just jumps through the window and tried to escape knives and then you know grabs his coat. Like, I'm not, not here. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. But yeah, to transition here, Eric, again, I, I so watching through this and and you've already pointed out again, this is a it, it, this movie is in a time capsule. And I think it will bring a lot of people probably brings people a lot of comfort, which is why I, like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and be totally disrespectful because I I did understand it to a degree. I think I was just watching through this and being like, this is what people have obsessed over for all this time like and I've, obviously we've never read the graphic novel and um you know we just got introduced to these characters but like michael sarah scott pilgrim i think was just such an unlikable character that i just couldn't buy in and i can buy into michael sarah as a as a lead in a film like a super bad because again he's a he's a high school kid and we didn't even talk about the fact you know like you said eric he doesn't seem like a guy that can really pull the, somebody like a Ramona Flowers. They paired him with Emma, oh, not Emma Stone, but they paired him with, um, you know, the character that, that he liked in Superbad, who was also out of his league. So that's just, um, again, yeah. product, again, this was like a very product of the time rom-com, you know, um, what, what's it called? She's out of your league and, you know, yeah. uh, th- those kind of movies that were coming out at that time, right? So I, I understand it to a degree, but this really started, because I was watching a YouTube video, like this really started kind of a trend of the you know the Ramona Flowers esque type of character, and let, don't get me wrong, Ramona is not the most likable protagonist either. To be honest with you, so I think really when obviously the name of the title, like when your title character isn't really that likable, I don't get it. I, I really didn't understand, and um, you know I, I got through this pretty disappointed because I was really banking that I was going to enjoy the hell out of this movie, and I just simply didn't. Like if we were to give it a grade, I, you know it's not anything as far as really really terrible but i'd give it like 
if we're talking letterbox scores, I guess that's what we're going to transition to now here on the podcast. I'd give it somewhere between like a like a two and a half and a three because it's not terrible. It's so it's, yeah. I was like, this is OK. I don't ever want to watch it again, but I will again, like you said, as we already alluded to, I'll probably watch the anime and also shout out to casting because in 13 years, pretty much none of those people have been canceled. So that's pretty that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. All things uh, all things considered. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I would also land somewhere between that score. But again, I, I feel like I have a more positive reception to the film. Um, I think I'll speak of it more positively despite its rating, where I, I think you'll shit on it for the, the remainder of time. So I think that's where <laughs> I think that's where for people that listen to this episode, the difference will be. Um, but with that being said, Phil, I think we're pretty much here at the end of the episode. You know, we are getting ready for Barbenheimer. So we're probably going to cut this ending. Uh, this ending is going to be really short uh, for our Patreon. Not going to probably have an after, much of an after credits. But Phil, let everyone know where they can find our stuff. Uh, and then we'll transition to the end. Yeah, everybody, uh, you know, make sure to check our link tree link in the show notes. If you want to find any of our other episodes, actually our entire catalog. Um, you'll also find our social media links, Twitter and Instagram, TikTok, the really, really important ones. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever find yourself wanting to support the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us those five-star reviews. It's one of the best ways you can support the show. And uh, if you do ever find yourself wanting to support the show a little bit more, Eric will actually tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, the best way you can support the show and get bonus content like the video version of this episode, early access to episodes, and much, much more is to join our Patreon, where patrons like Briar are supporting the show, and we truly, truly appreciate it. You can also make a direct support from our Buzzsprout page, but if you're not able to do that, just make sure that you leave a like, comment, share. All of that stuff means the world. With all of that being said, my name is Mr. Eric Almighty. That is my co-host, Phil the Filipino, and we release new audio episodes every Monday and Wednesday with bonus content on platforms like TikTok, and all you got to do is wait for it. So... I heard you're looking for a go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is... Wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast.